This is Adam Lightman Bailey, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast. This is Jennifer Rodarte with Compass, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Hey, this is Lane Johnson representing Compass and Aspen, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Hello, this is Steve, and we're with Weidler Brothers of Compass in the D.C. metro area, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. This is Naomi Klein representing the Compass Office in Beverly Hills, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. What up, everybody? This is Chef Jack Harris of the uh, Talk Team Podcast. This is Jade with the Jessica Northrup team from Denver, Colorado, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Guys, thanks for listening to another episode of The Real Talk Podcast. This week, I'm following up from my previous emergency podcast episode regarding the rental regulations and the law changes that were happening up in Albany. I have a special guest, Leonard Steinberg, the president of our company. Uh, He's here to talk about his experience when he went up to Albany himself, along with his group, NIRAC, to voice their opinions on the recent rule changes. So just as background information, back on February 10th, Leonard traveled about three hours north to Albany to meet with politicians and legislators on a decision to ban the broker fees paid by tenants. While I will reiterate from time and time again, I'm a very neutral party to this. Just because I'm a real estate broker doesn't mean that I want the tenants to pay the fee or the landlord to pay the fee. It's just basic economics. But long story short, there was a New York State judge on Monday that actually temporarily blocked that state's week-old ruling that effectively banned tenants from having to pay the broker fee. There was a short-term reprieve in which the law will be banned for a few weeks until there's another hearing on it on March 13th. We're going to circle back on this after March 13th, but for now, I have Leonard on to speak about his experience and what he learned from the meeting in Albany when he went up. So enjoy, and thanks always for listening. Leonard, I want you to, let's let's talk about your experience there and, and what you face in Albany, what who did you meet with? Uh, what was your voice and, and some of the others that went up with you? Well, let me first correct one thing. Um, I went as part of a group yes. in Iraq, which Nairac. is the New York Real Estate Agents Continuum. Right. And I also was not part of the lawsuit because we knew that Rebney was filing that suit, which is the Real Estate Board of New York. And we had actually planned this trip weeks in advance of the prior week, which produced this big uproar related to the uh, the commissions. Right. Now, when the ruling came out that, that morning, I think it was like a Tuesday morning, Did you, were you aware of it, that it was coming out? Well, we are aware of a whole host of issues that are being considered by Albany lawmakers, sure. Sure. and our role to travel up to Albany was to express, number one, our concerns, mm-hmm. Also to volunteer the fact that we are here to work on this Mm -hmm. and that we wanted to work in collaboration with government, not against government. And likewise, we did not want government working against us. I think what was the most remarkable message that I got out of this um, endeavor, and this was, you know, I think 15 members drove up to Albany. We spent the entire day. Um, navigating the hallways of the state capitol with a um, really exceptional um, uh, lobbyist. Right. The and challenge the, is not the three hours it took to get there. It's what happened after and how you navigated the halls yes. as you got there. Getting there, the bus driver was quite competent, but... <laughs> 
Fortunately, our um, lobbyist was even more competent than our bus driver. So tell me about that. Everybody needs a good broker. Everybody needs a good lobbyist, apparently, as yes, well. Yes, yes. Well, I'm not going to mention any names here because sure. I think it's unfair. But what I will say is that navigating the hallways of Albany is as important as scheduling meetings. Meetings do get cancelled. We did have one or two um, lawmakers cancel on us and send their chiefs of staff in place. But with a good lobbyist, you know where to find them in the hallways. And um, that was actually probably the most fun and effective way of being heard. But I think, you know, as much as we blame Albany for a whole wave of sins, I think we as an industry are to blame because as agents, we specifically have not made our voices and faces Faces seen and voices heard up in Albany as loudly as they need to be. Granted, Rebney is there to represent us as agents, but I think as an agent group, these lawmakers were stunned by the facts that we were providing to them that really opened their eyes to a whole different way of looking at the real estate profession. I think uh, real estate agents have, in some regards, earned a terrible reputation. And I think Albany only hears that aspect of things, which I also think is really unfair to the many agents who do wonderful professional and ethical work. You said in your newsletter that the biggest voices are always heard. The politicians only listen and hear the biggest voices. So when you guys went up to Albany, that, that was probably the first time politicians have ever heard from us regarding they never, I don't agent. think they'd ever seen agents before. Right. They didn't know what we looked like. We almost looked like a foreign entity. You know, we weren't carrying a flag for some, you know, botanical garden. We walked in there and we were these people who, you know, in many regards, and this is how we phrased ourselves. I said, as much as you look at us as these overpaid employees because of the false narrative sure. that has been dis disseminated employees, through... Employees, that's funny too. They look at us as employees, yeah. number one. Number two, they look at us as vastly overpaid because of the false narrative created by reality television, yeah. which says everyone's earning millions of dollars oh doing goodness. little work from a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, how yeah. crazy is that? So yeah. what we did was we really rephrased the reality in their eyes, which I think was a very, very important first step. And that reality is that real estate agents around the city and around the country are a celebration of the American dream, which is small business. We are each as individual agents or as teams, these small businesses. And is there any law entity in the world, politicians especially, for whom we voted and yeah. for the taxes we pay to support all of this, yeah. is there any politician that would go onto Bleecker Street today and say, you know what, we're going to shut down all these stores? Yeah. Because I don't think they actually looked at it from that perspective. And I think we opened their eyes to the reality of what it is we do and how we do it. How that even with the 50,000 something average income that New York real estate agents earn, yeah. beyond that are expenses, social security taxes, health care. Taxes. Yeah, so you add all of that up and all of a sudden the average income is not that impressive, number one. No. Number two, the style of work, the fact that it is in no way guaranteed, is something they didn't really contemplate, I think. Mm. But I do know there are lawmakers who are very astute who do get it. They are very, very much at the mercy of a movement in um, uh, government right now in New York State that is incredibly... Um, like extremist. Sure. And one lawmaker even told us about this extremely noisy group that sat in front of her office for weeks in a row, every day making a lot of noise. And at the end, she said, like, I just gave in to them. Yeah. I was like... The loudest. The squeaky wheel really does get the grease. It does. And I find the screeching wheel <laughs> gets the money. It's everything.
Yeah. Yeah. What what kind of questions were asked when you were speaking to these politicians uh, that wanted that maybe was a sign that they wanted to understand more of your position? Well, I think we did a lot of talking. Okay. Um, we asked for their positions on how they felt about this. We also were blown away at the disconnect between the lawmakers and the Department okay, of State. So what were the positions? Well, a lot of the positions were politically neutral. You know, politicians yeah. have to be very careful not sure. to anger any of their constituents. I think what well, some, yeah, well, some of us in that room were constituents of their specific areas, and you know, votes are votes. Sure. I think we also um, wanted to highlight just how much we pay in taxes for the state. Number one. <laughs> yeah. Number two, how much we help generate in taxes for the state in transactional fees and taxes. Oh, yeah. And then most importantly, how we are connected each to hundreds, if not thousands of homeowners mm -hmm. who are also paying real estate taxes, sales taxes, mansion taxes, and a whole host of taxes and are voting these elected officials into office. Sure. So we really had to make that point very, very clear. And I think that was our message mostly. Um, their message to us was, and it's a very brutal message, that New York State has a shortfall of $6.1 billion. Yeah. Where does the money come from? And my argument to them was that you are fighting the wrong battle because the taxes that they're trying to impose and the limitations and the restrictions and the regulation they're trying to impose is actually going to reduce revenue. It might raise tax rates and it might raise the amount of money you collect per transaction, but that is not going to be helpful to the $6 billion deficit. Yeah. There is a crime that is occurring. There's a crime that is occurring in New York State right now. And it's a crime not by New York State, it's a crime by our federal government. New York State pays in $146 billion in taxes to the federal government every year. Mm -hmm. Of that, 10 to 15 cents or 10 to 15 percent of every dollar is siphoned off, about $20 billion is sure. siphoned off and redistributed to other states around the country. If we were to just fight for one third of that I call it stolen money returned back to New York State, there would be no $6 trillion deficit because you would, $6 billion yeah, deficit, billion, I'm sorry, sure. to reinvest into New York State, which is what the federal government should be doing. Yeah. We've earned this money, we've made this money, we're paying the money in, but it is being redistributed, which for a lot of people who yell at New York about being socialist, that is the very definition of socialism. Sure. When you are taking people's earned money and redistributing it to everyone else, that's socialism. That's socialism. It's wealth redistribution. Yeah. Now, if you don't believe in wealth redistribution, that's okay. Then don't say so. But if we are to be paying for states that don't have state taxes, that are attacking New York and luring people away from New York, then, then, yeah. then we are fighting against ourselves. And that, in my opinion, is unconstitutional. Yeah. So I think they're actually fighting the wrong battle because they're going after the pennies when they should be going after the dollars. Sure. Now, going back to the taxes that you were talking about, real estate is, is a very easy target. Real estate as an industry, as a transaction, and as a profession. Why do you think that is? And why do you think that is specifically in New York? Well, I think there's also a very distorted narrative out there um, that has become incredibly angry at the wealthy. Yes. And unfortunately, billionaires have been lumped together with millionaires. Yes. 
I do think someone who has a home for $1.2 million and is earning $400,000 a year is so far different from a billionaire who has maybe $3 billion and is earning $28 million a year. Worse than that, I think extremism on either side is the curse of our society and is it's it the curse of our society. extreme? I think there's extremism on both sides. Yeah. I think usually extremism is met with extremism. But when people see large corporations paying 11% in you know, federal taxes, when everyone was told we're lowering the tax rate to 21%, then people start to get angry. Sure. So I think what you have is a response that is an angry response. And it has lumped everyone together under one umbrella. And the biggest problem we know in real estate is when you ask someone, what is the average price per square foot of an apartment in New York? When you know there's no such thing as average. Yeah. So one apartment's going to sell for $800 a square foot and another one's going to sell for $8,000 a square yeah. foot. That's how different they are. That is how different millionaires and billionaires are. Sure. That is how different they are being treated tax-wise as well. And yet... On the other extreme end of the spectrum, where you have people who can barely buy food, there are politicians who will fuel anger by distorting the message to get elected. So you have extremism right now in the worst possible format. And I think what the real estate law, New York law, and national law is desperate for yeah. is practical, centrist, sensible sure. laws that work for the community at large. And unfortunately, extremism on the left and the right never achieve that. Yeah. So just like we in real estate are collaborators and create a meeting of minds between buyer and seller or tenant and landlord, politicians should be more focused on that aspect than winning. Yeah. Because we know what happens when a buyer says, I want $10 million for my home and the the seller, hang on, did I say the seller? When the seller wants $10 million, $10 million for the home, but the buyer wants to pay $8 million, yeah. usually we settle somewhere around 9.4. Nine, the seller's a little annoyed, the buyer's a little annoyed, but we may have had a meeting of minds. And we don't declare war. And usually the people who declare war and say absolutely no, they usually don't get exactly what they want. Eight out of ten times, I think they don't get what they want. Yeah. So... That is what has to happen from a global perspective with all the laws related to real estate as well. Fact and data should drive the narrative, sure. not emotion and political ambition. Is there any other industry that is being targeted as much as real estate in New York State? No. I have not seen anyone go after lawyers' pay. I've not seen anyone go after politicians' pay. I've not seen anyone go after what a dentist charges or a doctor charges. Golf caddy? No. Does it matter? Valet parkers? What? No. But I will also say when you look, the uh, incomes of the lower um, half of America have improved in the last two years significantly. Significantly, mostly due to the state's actions. And today I was watching. Uh, interview with a mayor and the reality is the best policies are driven locally yeah. not nationally yeah. because it's just like you know what as individuals my next door neighbor what they're experiencing with their bills has no bearing on me no. so locally I have to take care of being practical in my household what the next door neighbor does the building owner cannot control no. So I do think this is an area that we all have to become much more pragmatic about, that state and local laws have to work in the interests of the state. And I think lawmakers really have to speak to the people they're addressing before instituting these policies that are kind of crazy. So let's fast forward to March 13. What do you think? There's, there's basically two routes, right? 
the judge will essentially block this uh, bill from moving forward, mm-hmm. or it, we we will lose, and the ban on broker fees will basically be law. Well, I don't think we as brokers will lose. No. I think uh, we as brokers and homeowners and consumers and the industry at large and society at large will lose because at the end of the day, we have to acknowledge the following data points. When a transaction happens between an owner and our landlord and a tenant, there's a lot of work that has to take place to make that happen. Sure. To advertise it, to market it, to process it, etc., etc. Unfortunately, or let me say fortunately, slave labor was abolished. People need to get paid for what they do. It's that simple. Now, if anyone believes that no one's going to be paying for these services, they're deluded. So the problem is the money just gets shifted around. If the Department of State felt very strongly, and there are a lot of agents, by the way, who feel very strongly, that would be much better if the landlord were paying these. Because it would be great for tenants, by the way, if they didn't have to pay this big chunk of money up front. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of money. Danielle's friends were all celebrating. Yeah. Yeah. Up front costs. But I think it's important now to listen to both sides. So what if the landlord was paying for it and um, it was paid out on a monthly basis? Or maybe it's paid out to the um, agent in one uh, check, but it is paid for by the tenant on a monthly basis spread out over 12 or 4, 18 or 24 sure, months. It's, it's just going to amortize over the course But the, of the bigger year. problem is, which I think was the big eyebrow raiser up in Albany, was when I said, automatically, the minute this was instituted, I called up every landlord I know and I said, you're going to have to pay the, the, yeah. the, the fees. Sure. And you know what the response was? Great. So let's raise the rent to accommodate that. And we raised all the exactly. rents to accommodate it. And by the way, you know what that is? That was never considered by government because what that is called runaway inflation. When you look at those numbers and they go up by 8-10%, all of a sudden at the end of the year you're going to see rental data that claims rentals have spiraled upwards in New York City. So then how helpful is that for our credit ratings and for a whole host of other issues where people say, well New York was unaffordable uh, six months ago but now it's completely unaffordable. Let's play devil's advocate though from a politician's standpoint. They're, they'll say, well, the market will, re- will correct itself. So yeah, from a temporary standpoint, rents may go up a couple hundred dollars on certain apartments, but if all the apartments, the, the rents go up on the entire city, obviously, if they stay vacant for a month, two months, three months, landlords will smarten up and they will lower the rent. What do you think about that? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I do, however, think that in every good, well-intentioned policy, lie unintended consequences. And I don't think they fully acknowledged all the unintended consequences that will come or the intended consequences that will follow. The problem was, when this was initiated, the poor, uh, brutalized consumer was lied to one more time when they were said, you don't have to pay the commission anymore. So that was the greatest lie of all. And it's very reminiscent of a lot of other lies politicians have made on all sides of the aisle, where they say, you're going to get something for free, but then you end up paying for it. So getting a vote by selling something that's going to be free is a very easy vote. But then you have to deliver. And usually by the time you're delivering, people are confused and you have the votes and you have the power. Yeah. And that, is, that, that I think is the problem. Politicians don't like telling the complete story. I do believe we have very smart politicians in New York State. 
And I do believe they're under tremendous pressure to veer very, very, very far left. Um, and you, it's understandable because New York is an extremely expensive city and a lot of people have to struggle to get by. Sure. I would also say Plus that... You live in. Yes. But I would also say that even on the high end, if you look at people who own one and two million dollar apartments, they're struggling to get by. And of course, you could poo-poo that and say that's ridiculous. But no one ever makes a cost of living adjustment. If you're living in on the Upper East Side in a $1.4 million apartment, there is no bodega next door that sells you know, a $6 taco. Right. It just doesn't exist. Right. So sure. the costs of existence spiral as well. There's no such thing as an affordable private school. And where is the United States tax policy that addresses cost of living adjustments. We had one, the SALT tax deduction, sure. and that was removed. Why? Because they're stealing $20 billion from us to redistribute it to their buddies. Why not take that too? Right. So now we're actually paying more for them to be able to take more to redistribute it. And that's the fight Albany should be fighting. The government wanted you to be a homeowner in the past and they kept that. And it's, it's just, it's an interesting move on a federal level that they did that. Uh, I think it was aimed for particularly blue states, right, by the government to because these I don't know what the motive. I don't know what the motivation was, but there's certainly someone somewhere who is decrying socialism, yes. but who's a beneficiary of redistributed wealth. Yes, that's correct. That's so I think correct. that is an oxymoron. It's not. A, is it an irony on oxymoron? It's an irony, right? For, so, for anti-socialists, for anti-socialists to be that socialist yes. is an irony. Uh, yeah. uh, well, I don't want to take up too much of time. So to wrap up. What do you think will happen on the 13th? And are you and NIRAC uh, banding together to do something else? NIRAC will be very aggressively pursuing the role of lobbying Albany so that we can have a voice in all the laws that are passed. Great. And we will be going after multiple topics. What we are seeking is to be the practical, sane, rational center. The people who get things done yeah. that benefit all. Just the way we do everything we do every day in our brokerage lives. Right. And what about Rebney's participation in this? Well, Rebney has an enormous responsibility to the brokerage community. They also do have a responsibility to landlords and developers. Sure. And sometimes in that lies a little bit of a conflict. Yeah. Hence, NIRAC now has uh, really pushed for having two agents on the Rebney board. This is the first time in history that an agent group has had agents on its board, which right. also sounds like a bit of a, a, a crazy scenario, yeah. but Revenue has been very cooperative there, and they admitted and agreed that not having any agents on their board was insanity. So that insanity ends in 2020. So 2020 is a great year for visibility. We're gonna have 2020 vision in 2020. <laughs> 2020 vision on the industry to really fight together with Revney for the interest of the consumer via agents because at the end of the day we are the face of brokerage not a brand name us individual Correct. agents are the face of this industry and we have to answer the tough questions of our consumer okay. speaking to a homeowner and yep. not giving them a rational response to basic questions makes us all look foolish and also risks these politicians losing votes big time big time Okay. I also, one thing I want to say about um, landlords, because maybe this is off topic, but landlords are an important ingredient for people who want uh, short-term home ownership. But landlords have also more recently been given extraordinary tax advantages to build properties, 
to rent to people for life. And most people say, oh, we're just going to rent for 10 or 20 years. But our life expectancy is to be 80 years old. So if we're going to be 80 years old, we're actually going to be renting for 60 60 years. years, And if you're renting for 60 years, I would guarantee, I would bet there's not a single person on the planet who can prove to me that 60 years worth of renting is in the interest of a landlord and not uh, me, the consumer. It is certainly in the interest of the landlord. 100%. A thousand percent. (laughs) Making somebody else rich. All right, Leonard, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll revisit this topic again after uh, the judge's ruling. So thank you very much. Thank you.